microphone. I'm good, I think. As long as I get this one on. Y'all can sit. Did I turn my mic on properly? Yeah? Y'all can hear me okay? Can we just take a moment and not rush? Can we do that? We got all year. We got all year. We got 364 days to rush. Can we just take a moment? I was reminded as uh, I saw Dr. Don Allen at the beginning of the service, I was reminded, I, th I think it was the first time I came to the North Georgia Revival. It had been going on about nine months to a year before I ever came. And I heard the story of how the Lord, I, I think I can say it this way, put a condition on the depth and the height of this revival and he connected it to Apostle Todd's call to build unity with Dr. Don Allen, where there had been some disunity. And here we are almost five years later. I think February 19th will be the five-year celebration, if I'm not mistaken. And they were within five feet of each other, and people are still getting healed. People are still getting saved, and people are still getting delivered. People are still getting called. And I, I spent some time in, in John 17 over uh, the last few days, just reading again John 17, the longest recorded prayer of Jesus Christ. And it's the glory unity chapter. And over and over again, as Jesus is praying to the Father, he's talking about the shared glory that they have. And then he starts talking about the glory that he has given to the body and then he connects the level of that glory to his plea for us to maintain unity to fight for unity we are unified like that's the spiritual reality that we're all unified but we're called to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and i would just say this this has nothing to do with what i plan to share tonight but now is the time, if you're out of fellowship with other Christians, get it right. Like you be the big boy or the big girl that steps out and gets it right. Because the Lord will not overlook it continually. And as we're moving into a new year, you don't want to... Listen, we need the chains broken off. You've heard me say this before. Christians have gotten real good at lengthening their chain. They just lengthen their chain. Those things are meant to be broken off. And this is the season where I want to begin in this year. And I don't want to have a single thing that is within my power to make right, not made right with other believers. And I want to encourage us as we are seeking greater measures of glory in our generation. I mean, is anybody satisfied? I'm not satisfied. I'm content but I'm not satisfied. Like, if anybody in the room thinks they've tapped out the manifestation of the glory of God in their generation, stand up and raise your hand. Nobody's gonna stand up, because we know. And I'm thinking to myself, and I believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. I'd scare some of you, because I just believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. But let me tell you this, so much of what happens through the body of Christ, through the church, in our own individual lives, is contingent upon what we do. 
We're sometimes praying for God to do things and God says, you can actually do that, but you need to address these things right here. And then we'll be in partnership with it. So I love unity and I will say this to to all of us. Be real careful what you sacrifice fellowship on. Be real wise about what you allow to cause you to break fellowship. Don't go on the run. This is not what I planned on saying. I'm feeling this right now. It's both an invitation and I think a little bit of a warning. Like lay it all down. Dead people don't fight for self. We fight for others. We fight for the glory of God, but we don't fight for self. Father, I'm asking you, search our hearts right now, Lord. Give us bold faith and courage in fractured fellowship right now where relationships have been damaged. Where a very convenient demon has brought some into agreement with pettiness. We bind that in the name of Jesus. And we bring the blood to bear on that instinct for us to be petty. We call the fire of heaven, that agape fire, that doxa fire. We call it to burn away our pettiness, Jesus. Bring us to the foot of the cross and let us behold the Lamb of God on the cross. And therein our fights die. We welcome the winds of refreshing to come as we begin a new year. Lord, we don't want church 2.0 in 2023. We're asking you on this first day of this new year to begin movements within each individual heart and then our collective heart. To elevate what's already been done at the North George Revival, but Lord, Let us be as those disciples long ago that looked at each other one day and said, we've never seen it on this fashion. Make miracles like Lorraine's stage four and Mario's stage four. Make those miracles, Lord, actually seem smaller because of greater glory that you're pouring out. We thank you for those miracles. But Lord, we're saying that we believe that there is a greater glory that we've not tasted yet. And so in honor of you, Jesus, we will not rest on the last four plus years. We're asking you, Father, to do the unseen, the unprecedented. We're asking you to shock us, wake us up, stir us, Lord. God, give us a a spirit of participation in intercession, in fasting in believing and pressing in and carrying a cross and self-denying. And God, let us move in love towards one another so that they'll all know that we're your disciples. I ask you to bless the leaders of this house. I ask for an increased anointing on my apostle, Todd Smith, my covering. I ask for an, inf- an, an increase of wisdom and the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I ask you, Father, to let it be so heavily resting on him that he gets a new level of uncomfortable in the secret place. I ask for an increase of brilliance upon Pastor Karen. 
that the teaching anointing that she has had will seem like nothing in the new anointing that's coming. I pray, Lord, for that increase in her prophetic insights, that that aspect of what you've placed within her would be released in new ways. And I ask God for all of those that call CFC home and North Georgia Revival a part of their pilgrimage in this season. I ask God that we would seek your face wholeheartedly and that we would believe for a greater measure of glory. Lord, Dawson County, Georgia, the Southeast, and the USA doesn't need more decent church services. We need an outpouring. We need Joel 2, 28 and 29 to begin to manifest in this generation to where it's no longer aspirational in our prayers, but actual. God, I pray that right now tonight you're stirring in individual hearts that have been looking outside maybe to other people saying, do it in them, Lord, do it in them, Lord, do it in them. And Lord, I'm asking you to arrest their attention tonight and speak by power into their soul right now, God. Tell them it's, it's them that you want to do it through. So God, in these moments together tonight, before the waters are once again entered and the fire once again falls, I'm asking you to, to give faith in this house. Those that are watching on ISN, I'm asking you, God, to move into that hospital room that was mentioned earlier, into dens, into offices, on laptops and desktops and phones and tablets. Hallelujah, Lord. Work through any medium. And I'm just asking you, don't leave us unchanged tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you can agree with that, would you say amen? Amen and amen. So I didn't know I was going to be preaching tonight. I'm always grateful. I'm honored to be able to ever be up here and to, to join. I just like coming to Dawsonville. Uh, I get to be a Christian up here. I love pastoring. I love being able to lead um, at the church at Winder. And I, I have actually not been in a pulpit since the first Sunday in November. That was the last time I preached. And uh, that was by design. I felt the Lord calling me away for um, several weeks. And our teams, our leadership teams there at the church, uh, were in agreement that it would be good for me to exhale at the end of the year and be refreshed as we approach the new year. I feel such a prophetic stirring tonight that I'm tempted to just kind of run with it, but that's actually not what the Lord would have me to do tonight. Um, but I will say this, 2023, and I know you hear this every year, that's fine, I'm just telling you because I believe it. 2023 is going to be, I believe, the most unique year I've ever lived as a Christian, and I think it's going to be the same for you. There's going to be shifts. There are going to be changes. Some of them will be national. Some of them will be global. And when those shifts happen, I'm not talking about little tweaks here and there. I'm talking about in any air, every area of culture and life, there are going to be some major shifts. And I don't even know you have to be overly prophetic to know that. You can just literally pay attention to what's going on. But these shifts are going to cause waves. And those waves, I don't believe this year, are going to be small, gentle, kind of like on the, on the shore of the Bahamas, sitting there in the sun in a lounge chair waves. I think it's going to be much, much in, more intense than that. And so where I have been for about six weeks in my own journey is asking the Father, what do I need to do to prepare to steward whatever the waves bring? 
what do I need to do as one of, one of God's kids to be able to steward in my own life, to help in my family, to wherever I have an opportunity to influence and help people? Father, what do I need to do to prepare? Because raise your hand if you're more of a doer in the room. We got any doers in the room? Okay. God help us. We need a lot more than that. But, but <laughs> um, I, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't like to spectate. I, I, I like to move. Like, if, if, I, I just don't believe God, God finished things up 2,000 years ago, and he's just kind of twiddling his omnipotent thumbs waiting for a calendar page to turn in heaven. I think the Lord is moving, and I, I expect that movement to increase more and more as we approach the end of the age. And so I, I just want to know, Lord, what do I want to do? Tell me what to do. And um, sometimes the Lord is like, I'm telling you what you're going to do. You're not going to do the thing you love to do for about, I don't know, 10 weeks at the end of 2022. I'm not going to let you preach. I'm going to have you work on your own heart. I want you to invest in your wife. I want you to make your family a priority. And I, I want you to come apart, and I just want you to listen to me. And so that's what's been going on with me for several weeks. But when, when he finally began to speak to me about something other than my own heart and my family, and he continues to speak on those things, he started to speak to me about what I needed to be speaking to others about. And I'm going to take you to a very, uh, very well-known passage of Scripture. And I want you to join me if you brought a Bible in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. And I think it may be up on the screen if you didn't bring a copy of the scriptures. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter, um, but I am going to read enough. And I don't have any notes. I've just got a need for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to, to pray this prayer. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead you in a very, very simple prayer that if you'll pray it, not because you're repeating an empty prayer, but if you can mean it when you pray it, I think the Lord will honor it. I want you to pray for faith tonight. I want you to pray for an increase of faith. Do you know that, I mean, we're in a charismatic uh, environment here, charismatic flavor of the church, so we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in tongues and the interpretation of tongues and prophecy and healings and miracles. We believe in words of wisdom and words of knowledge. There's nothing in the Bible, not a single verse, that says those things stopped at any point. Matter of fact, the Bible actually teaches they will continue until the end of the age. But did you know that one of those gifts is the gift of faith? It's as supernatural as tongues and prophecy and miracles and healings. And the reason why it's supernatural is because it is a charismata, it is a charisma. It is a gift of grace coming from the Holy Spirit. And it's not about working yourself up into a positive posture of, of, of thinking. It's literally an endowment that the Holy Spirit will release to you and does release. But I think most of the time, he meets us at the level of our hunger for it. And I'm going to tell you, I, I believe that the key to all the other gifts is this gift. I believe if you'll increase in faith, you'll increase across the board in every other area that's important for your life making a difference for Jesus. So I'm just going to lead you in a very simple prayer, and if you feel led to, 
to repeat this for yourself or repackage it as you pray it, please do so. But let's, let's just not rush into a, a passage of Scripture about faith and not pause to honor the Lord and just confess, Lord, we need more of this. I need faith. So would you pray this with me? Father, I thank you for the faith that you gave me to be saved. I thank you that you've given me faith to be here tonight. I thank you that you've given me enough faith to not quit. You've given me faith to endure, to persevere, and to overcome up to this point. But Father, I confess that yesterday's faith is not good enough for today or tomorrow. So I'm humbling myself and appealing to you for a greater measure of faith to be deposited within me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read Hebrews 11.1, 1, then I'm going to move down into Hebrews 6 through 10, and then let's just see what happens tonight, okay? Y'all okay with teaching? Y'all all right with that? I got my red and black. Somebody said, oh, you've got a bulldog color. I said, that's Caneo colors. <laughs> I like the bulldogs too, though. By the way, there's a counseling room for all Ohio State fans that'll be available <laughs> a little bit after the service if you need. Hebrews 11.1, 1, let's just get, before I quench the spirit. Now, I know you know these words, but you, can you just marinate a little bit with me tonight? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Say, things not seen. We'll skip down to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, to, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then we have some examples. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And it's a, with apologies to Noah, I'm not going to talk about Noah tonight. I want to talk about Abraham, who's next. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward. He was looking forward. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I don't have notes tonight. I, I have a burning inside of me that I want it to resonate with those embers that are inside of you. 
There's not a Christian that's in this room that doesn't know that he or she needs more faith. But let me confess something. Because we're American Christians in the 21st century, we don't feel always the desperate level of need for faith that we actually should. And the reason why is because we have a lot of things in our lives that cause us to not have to live by faith. And I don't feel guilty about being an American, and I don't feel guilty about living in a prosperous country, and I don't feel guilty about God's blessings in my life. I don't feel guilty about any of that, but I'm very, very careful not to let those good things ever become so central in my life that I come to this place where I don't feel my desperate need for faith. And when I say that, it's, it's not just faith in faith, it's faith in God. I think one of the things that I'm realizing, and this is, this is possible for all of us, and I, I, my goal tonight is to provoke you in a very holy and help, helpful way. But I do want to provoke you. And so I, I found that the measure of us having faith for, faith for healing, faith for finances, faith for a spouse if you're single, faith for. We, we, we're called to live by faith for. And we hear faith for this and faith for that and faith for this over here and faith for more. And, and I'm wondering if we don't over-focus on faith for and under-focus on faith in. Your faith for something can't really eclipse your faith in him. And a lot of the time we are we're, we're believing for God. I've got faith for this. I've got faith for this. And we're, our focus, the object of our faith, is trying to, well, we don't want to speak death over it. We've got to speak positively over it. We've got to keep our heart free of any negative stuff. And we're, we're fighting for faith for something. But if you, if, you, if you strip it down, a lot of the times, it's just us trying to make something happen by an undefined thing that we've called faith. And that's not what God wants. What God wants is our faith in him to so grow, so increase, so deepen, so broaden that the faith in him, the results of that is that we have faith for the things that we need. And I know it may sound like I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but I really don't think I am. So what does God do? Um, he lets us squirm. Has he ever let you squirm? When, when you've, got, you've got the right answers, you've got the right mental approach, you've got the right Bible verses, you're in agreement with the right people about this thing, and it's not happening. Y'all are looking pious. Unclench, okay? Just relax. Like, and, and, and Mike, I'll just testify then. In, in, in times like that, for me, the Lord's like, yeah, Jeff, you got the system all set up but you're not trusting me. So recently, and I'm just going to confess my sins while I'm up here, so please just roll with me here. Um, <laughs> I, th I think I may have mentioned this here. I, if not, I mentioned it in Kaneo 4. Um, the Lord convicted me late in the fall. Actually, it was probably, yeah, late October. And um, he, he, he kind of startled me. He said, Jeff, you're a lot better at obeying than you are trusting. 
And I thought, well, obedience is good, right? Oh, obedience is great. But you always have to have clarity. And if I have to constantly give you clarity, your trust muscle atrophies. Sometimes the Lord withholds clarity so he can impart courage. And we are addicted to clarity, aren't we? I'm just waiting on clarity. I'm just waiting on clarity. I need some clarity on this. And the Lord's like, I'm not going to give you any. So we go to a prophet. I need some clarity on this. The prophet says, I do hear the Lord. The Lord says, you don't need clarity. It's overrated. You need courage. So you go to another prophet. And eventually, you just come to the end of your squirming. I'm going to give you some statements about faith, and then I want to talk about Abraham, and then we're going to, we're going to move um, into baptisms. Um, this is some things I've learned about faith. I'm not saying these are, like, spectacular off the charts, but I think you should consider them. I'm not going to scream them or shout them. I'm going to submit them to you for your consideration. A faith that can't be tested should never be trusted. When circumstances and trials hit the Christian life, the one thing you need to automatically respond to, your internal instinct needs to be, God is not on trial here. The goodness of God is not on trial. This thing has moved into my life, but the goodness of God is not on trial. You immediately posture yourself in in strength in that moment because you don't even let doubt utter a syllable towards you. The goodness of God is settled. God is good. This thing is not good, but this may serve as a test. And if your faith can't be tested, I say it gently, but I say it honestly, I would be suspicious of your faith. Because if it's got to be God's fault, then you have faith for something, but not faith in someone. And so everybody is living by faith in something. I'm just going to tell you, agnostics and atheists, if you're here tonight or watching, you you all have faith in something. I mean, nobody lives as a free, free agent. We are all putting our confidence in something. And ultimately, you, your faith is, is in whatever that thing is that you're go-to to make you feel secure. And Christians, let's just be honest. Listen, I feel like 2023 in part is going to be a strong reformation movement in the church. That the Lord's not going to let us get by with silliness anymore and shallowness anymore. Like watch the fire hit. And it's going to, first thing it's going to burn up is all our silly cliches. They're just going to get, it's going to be smoky up in these places, man. It's just, cliches are going to be burning up. And the, the, the Lord literally is going to reveal what our go-to is in times of crisis, where your instinct and your soul is. When crisis hits you and your instinct is to go somewhere immediately, identify what that is because that is your functional God. And what what we do is, and listen, and again, I, I love the church. I've spent my entire Christian life serving the local church. I believe in the local church. I've, I've taken my bruises and my scars and gotten a lot of blessings in the context of the local church. But the, it, it, <laughs> my spirit is talking faster than my mouth can cooperate with you. 
I got a holy stutter going on. Um, I, I, I just realized that the Lord has never done sanctifying the church. And if he's wanting to purify us, so remember, because we're a reflection of him. And if we want to be an accurate reflection of him, he's got to get the spots off of the reflector. And so he's going to be purging us of our cliches. And he doesn't want to be added in name or by lip service. These people speak well of me of their lips, but their heart is far from me. He doesn't want to do over of that. And so he's going to purge us from adding him verbally in our songs, in our sermons, in our prayer meetings. We, we've got all of the nomenclature, all of the verbiage down. But what, what really what we've got to do is we've got to get raw and alone with the Lord and say, God, show me what I actually trust in. Jesus plus something is defilement. So faith will always, well, let me avoid the word always. Faith will almost always, it will typically call you to do one of these two things. God, when he's moving to grow your faith and stretch your faith, it almost always involves either you letting go of something or like Abraham, you move towards something that is not yet in your possession. 2023 is the year of you laying down some things. Multiple times. A lot of you in here are leaders and you're in charge and jurisdiction of ministry. And um, I think one of the healthiest things we can do is we have to constantly lay down what he put in our hand. We have to remind ourselves that he put it in our hand, but we're not called to hold those things with an ironclad, non-negotiable grip. The one that put it in our hand can take it from our hand and do whatever he wants with it. And so it's so healthy for us constantly to lay down those precious things that God has given to us. And it's hard. Um, we, we also are going to be called, I believe, as the people of God, we're going to be called to step towards things that are not yet in our possession. And that leads me to Abraham's example. Now, his story is known by most of you in the room. God decided sovereignly that he wanted to work in covenant through the human race. And so he just looks down and picks an idol-worshiping pagan named Abram. And Abram grew up in a, what would be kind of a mixture culture. If you take the worst of Vegas, the worst of downtown Atlanta, mix it with a little L.A. and San Francisco, slosh it around with a little New York City, and boom, that's Abraham's context for where he grew up. And God says, you, I'll work through you. Why would God do that? Well, because he's God and he doesn't have to explain himself. Um, God will choose the most unlikely people. That ought to give a lot of us here in hope, just hope. Like he's, he's, not, he's never been the guy, excuse me, he's never been the God scouting the land saying, who can I find that is worthy of me giving my best to? Because none of us qualify, but he is a God of all grace and he picked Abram. And this is what he said to Abram. And Abram was not a young cat. He says, Abram, I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to pack up your immediate family. I want you to leave the city you know. I want you to leave the culture and the job that you know. I want you to listen to my voice, and I'm going to do something awesome with your life. I choose you. Abraham's like, wow. All right. Do you have a syllabus? 
Do you have a five-year plan? Do you got anything? Can we get something in writing? Now, Abram didn't ask, ask any of that stuff. God literally said to Abram, and you know the story, but we don't visit enough, and it's not just for history. The things that were written before time are written for our instruction and our learning today. And some of you are on the cusp of an Abrahamic journey. It may not be a geographical relocation, but I'm telling you, God's going to be calling some of you, and some of you sense it. I'm saying it right now, and it's already resonating. You're coming into rhythm. The tuning fork has been struck, and your heartstrings are now getting into rhythm with that or getting into tune with that because you know this is the way he's been working in some of you. And the Lord is saying, go to the place that I'll show you. Go to the place that I will show you. So housed in that is a crisis moment for Abram. Because the natural question is, well, where are we going? And Abram doesn't ask. You don't find it anywhere in Scripture where Abram asks. As a matter of fact, let me go back to the text that I read. And in Hebrews 11, it just says in verse 8, it says, By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So he was called to go out, verse 8, and then later in verse 8 says, and he went out. Not knowing. Not knowing. What if everything that God has for you in your future, what if the answers to a decade or more of your prayers is on the direct other side of you moving without knowing? of you going without knowing, of you saying yes without knowing, of you laying some things down without knowing, of you believing in him before you're believing something for or from him. You just being so convinced of the goodness of his heart, and has he not proven himself to us? I mean, just do a little inventory historically of your life. Like, really, Jeff, what more do you need from God I mean, Jeff, did he not set you free from the tyranny of drugs and alcohol in an instant in 1994? Did he not answer in exceeding abundantly above your prayers from 94 to 96 for a wife? And she's sitting down there. He didn't just give me a wife. He gave me the wife. I got two beautiful kids that are growing up, and, and he's just shown himself faithful when the enemy came after my son. Came after my son when my son was months old and then came after my son again. And God's hand just protecting him. Jeff, did I not shepherd you through cancer? Did I not save the wife, the life of your wife? Did I not give her her, her leg back? Did I not enable you to walk through all of this stuff? And yet, I promise you, I told you I was going to confess my sins. There's times where I'm sitting there saying, yeah, I don't know if I can really trust for what you're calling me to do. Now, it's good that none of y'all have ever wrestled with that, but it's just me. It's just me. I get it. I get it. And sometimes I just, I'm like, I don't want God to be an idea. I don't want God to be my ethic. I don't want God to just be, you know, my, my, the orb of how I think about it. Like, he's my father. And he's never failed. And by the way, he's never failed you. Now, he will stretch you. He will humble you. 
He will take you to places that your flesh is going to protest night and day, day and night. But these, Pastor Marty, you remember like when we first got saved, we're, we're like, make me like Jesus. And the Lord's like, pick up your cross. Every prayer that we pray for God's significant movement in our lives and those deep spiritual groanings that sometimes find difficulty to articulate, but we know when we're just in the Spirit, we're just praying in the will of God and we're, we're praying the righteous desire of God in our lives. And we pray those prayers and we get up and then we have to go make dinner or go to work or mow the lawn. And, and we forget about those groanings and He never does. He never forgets. The bowls get filled with the prayers until they tip. And he's calling some of you in this upcoming year to pursue faith more than you pursue finance. To pursue faith more than you pursue a spouse. I feel it for the single people in here tonight. I'm literally feeling it for the single people. Listen, I fasted and prayed. I didn't want to be single. I I didn't. I was like, some people have that gift, not this fella. And I, it, it felt like centuries that I was praying for a wife. It was literally about two and a half years before I met Amy. But it might as well have been centuries. But, but I, I feel it. But what, what God eventually brought me to the place of, he's like, you actually want a, a wife, Jeff, more than you want my presence. And he wasn't even like mad at me. He's just shepherding me. So that's the thing. There's not an indictment on us. This is not guilt parade 2023. This is get raw and honest about where you are. You need more faith than you need fruit in your life. Fruit being results from what you're doing. Like, again, our instinct is faith for something. I'm believing God for something. Well, just how about just believing God? Just believe him because he's believable. Like, like he's really proven himself. I I think the church has gotten a little allergic to faith. We like to preach about it and we like to sing about it and we like to instruct others about it. But I believe one of the things that the Lord wants to do is bring the church back to a place where our faith is so purified that when the time comes, we won't have anything else to lean on as Christians in America. And I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but that will come. It will come in America. Will revival come? Absolutely, revival will come. But you know as well as I do that history shows you that the greatest revivals come behind the flames of persecution. And I, I think what the Lord is, is really calling us to now is some proactive approach to getting the faith now that we're going to need then. We were in South Carolina for uh, a few days last week. We were up at uh, Morningstar with Rick Joyner and Chris Reed, and we just went up there to kind of end the, the year and um, 
I, I hope I get his name right, but there was a uh, lieutenant, lieutenant general, Boykin, Jerry Boykin, is that right? Yeah. And, of course, he's a military man, and his whole message was just like, I could eat that up. Just like, give me some battle gear, man. Give me a demon to hunt. Give, give me some kind of enemy to stomp out, man. That's, that's my language. And he was using military metaphors, and one of the things he said, two things that stuck out to me, his old, his old delivery was great, but he said that um, it's hard to utilize comms, communications, when the battle is at its hardest. So comms, for you military people, forgive, forgive the civilian. I'm not a military man, nor do I play one on TV, but when, when, when you're in the heat of battle, it's hard to have clarity on your comms, on your communications. Things are going on. You need to know ahead of time what's going on. And then the second thing he said is this. You'll start taking flack when you're over the right target. And I'm thinking the church has gotten so allergic to flack that we're avoiding the most important targets. Let's fly over here. Let's cruise at a high altitude. Let's get some sights in. And I think the time's coming where the Lord's like, I love my worshipers, but it's not supposed to be worshipers or warriors. It's supposed to be worshipers and warriors. And they're the same person. But guys, it's going to take faith to do that. It's going to take faith for you to lay down your American entitlement to ease and comfort and constant blessing. We are addicted to it. I'm just going to go ahead and make you mad. I'm walking a tightrope, and I just need to go ahead and jump off of it. I want to help people that want help. If you don't, if you don't. Try not to make eye contact with some of you, so. Like, we know we're in a war. We know the enemy knows his time is short. What we don't seem to know is that the demonic realm and the enemy's war room is constantly in session, constantly strategizing, constantly organized, and the church is just trying to wing it or avoid it. Or don't, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about demons. I don't want to hear about warfare. I don't I just, bless me. Bless me, prophet. Bless me. I'm thinking, I'm going I'm to bless you with courage to chase down the demons because your Bible says if you resist them, they will run and go get counseling. So Abraham is called to get up and do this thing. And the Bible says that he obeys God, but here's some important things about it. In verse number 10, it just says this. How, how was he able to drop everything? How was he able to say, yes, God, no questions asked? Now, we know Abraham struggled a little bit with the, the issue of Isaac's conception and birth. Um, he's, he's not primarily known for his struggle of belief. He's primarily known as one who is justified by his faith. So when God looks at Abraham, he doesn't identify, well, but Abraham, you know, you, you kind of, you and the Hagar thing, that wasn't my will. Um, he, he, Abraham is the father of faith. We, we are literally the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And everything about this man, his life was wrapped in this issue of trusting God radically, dropping everything, saying yes to anything, 
Like we knew, we have, we have Genesis 12. We knew what God was going to do with Abraham. When that was a given, Abraham did not have Genesis 12. He knew nothing. He, he literally says, I'll drop everything and do anything. And friends, I'm telling you, that is something the eyes of the Lord are going about throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose heart is perfect with him in that way. He's saying, I'm looking for some people that will so radically have faith in me that they're willing to drop everything and pursue anything. And those kind of Christians currently are rare, but I do believe that even circumstances are going to produce more and more Christians like that. Some of you are in the room. Some of you were were built for radical faith and you've allowed the American church to domesticate you. A cat house or house cat, not a cat house. little house cat. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be insensitive, but the church has been neutered. Where's the virility of this generation of believers? Where's a group of people that will just say, I'm going, I, I know what God has called me to do, and I'm going to do that and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to round off the edges in order to make all the other lukewarm Christians comfortable with it. I'm not going to apologize for it, and I'm not going to ask permission for it. Now, do I believe in ecclesiastical authority and authority in the church? Sure, I'm not encouraging you to revolt against spiritual authority. What I'm talking about is, is we are waiting for permission concerning things which we are already commissioned to do. Like some things in the kingdom don't evolve a move a second and a majority vote. And so the higher up, listen, when we're talking about this, I'm talking about a group of people that God is cultivating and calling out. And and I'm I'm encouraging you, if that is in your spirit, like if, if, if you feel suppressed in your spirit because your vision of God is great, but you're surrounded by an American church, and it's, it can be found in any place in America. So, surrounded by an American church that has developed a consummate taste for lukewarmness. But in your spirit, you're like, man, this is not who Jesus is in me. Do you, do you ever feel like the weirdo Christian? Okay, if you just said yes to that, then, then like literally... Don't let somebody ratchet you down to a moderate. We don't need more moderates in the church. We need some radical. I know it's an overused word and it's a floating definition, but it's still what we need. We need some people that will just say the clock is ticking. Like the king is coming. And if we're ever going to do anything for him by faith, it's now. You won't need faith and glory. Ain't no faith and glory. Faith becomes sight. It's part of your inheritance. This is your only chance to bring him glory by faith. And you got a thousand voices telling you why that's not real Christianity. The higher up the mountain of faith you go, the fewer go with you. 
And we all want to be a part of a parade. We're just like, man, let's just parade this thing. Let's just, we're all going to go. It's like Pied Piper. Come on, everybody. We're going to be radical faith people. And all of a sudden, the guy playing the flute looks back and ain't nobody going with him. Because there just aren't a lot of people that have that appetite. But it's born in you. Like the Holy Spirit within you is not mild. We're like in a mild salsa generation. There's no, nothing more frustrating to me than mild salsa. If I wanted ketchup, I would have gotten ketchup. Yo quiero muchos jalapenos ahora. Mucho picoso, por favor. <laughs> but, but the church, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm really not hungry or talking about Mexican food. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that, but, but the church has gone mild salsa. Not here. Like, look, you're, you're in a place where, like, mild salsa, that's just not what the North Georgia revival does. But you can hide in a room full of jalapenos and you yourself can just be like a peanut. Like walking into the room doesn't make a radical out of you. Pastor Todd's anointing, I, I can't draft behind his anointing. I can't mimic it. Like his anointing came with a cost and keeps coming with a cost. Your anointing, the one he's got for you, will cost you something. Listen, go with King David at the threshing floor of Aruna, and King David is getting ready to build an altar to the Lord. And the man who owned that property says, I'm going to give you everything you need. You've got all the items. I'll build the altar for you. I'll give you the land. And King David says, uh-uh. I will not offer anything to the Lord from that which costs me nothing. And the church needs a baptism of that. We need a baptism of how much can I get for the least amount of sacrifice. It doesn't sound like faith, but sometimes faith is when you look at your flesh that is tired and worn out. You say, flesh, you're running your mouth again. Shut your face. Be quiet. I don't want to hear it. And your flesh is telling you, as you're walking in the spirit of obedience, your flesh is then saying, well, you're moving, but it's fake because you're not feeling it. Let me just go ahead and help you here. If you wait on a feeling to validate your obedience, you're not going to be obedient all the time. Sometimes you just got to laugh at your feelings. You just got to say, I'm going to faith this up right now. I'm going to believe that I have enough faith in him to believe that doing the right thing brings pleasure to his heart. Matter of fact, I'll just give you a Bible on it. I can't see the clock, Lord help me. Hebrews 11. Um, yeah. Verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Just stop. Just stop. Without faith, as a stay-at-home mom, you, you actually can do that by faith. There's no glory in the fifth dirty diaper between, one, between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Ain't no glory. But can God meet you in that? 
I've preached messages that had no faith. When I stand before the Lord and give an account for those messages, the room's going to be full of smoke. Fire's going to hit it. Wood, hay, stubble. We can sing songs. Every church has to wrestle with this. Every worship leader has to wrestle with this because the pressure's on. You got to wake up the crowd. You got to get them engaged. And listen, I'm not opposed to us involving our emotions. Like, listen, we're going to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Your emotions are in there somewhere. So there's nothing spiritual about being, you know, the frozen chosen, fossilized in your position. I shall not be moved. But, but the expectation on the worship leader, as he or she is leading, they're looking out. And if the people aren't grooving, then there's something, and what we need more than a tweak or hitting a certain crescendo or going somewhere with the drums, what we need is faith to say, God, they're your people. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to help them to worship. But if they don't want to worship, Lord, give me faith to stay in the zone with you. I don't wait on a worship leader to get me going. That's not their job. Could you imagine the pressure on somebody? I mean, you can do that at a Van Halen concert if you want to. They got to get you going. Or for you Southern folks, I don't, I don't do country music, so I don't even have a current group. But you, you can, in, in the secular world, you can move, motivate, and it is your responsibility. But in the kingdom of God, we're supposed to make Jesus available and big in the sense of them being able to experience him in the moment. And you can't do that by just technique. You got to have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And that startles me. That's a gripping verse that I've been chewing on for weeks. Like literally weeks. What are we doing? Like what are we doing that if, we, if, if, like, if God doesn't show up, it utterly and publicly fails? That's where you'll find your faith. To put ourselves out there that, Lord, unless you move, we perish. And then he says this, this is just so beautiful. He says, those that will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that diligently pursue him, eagerly pursue him, eagerly seek him. It says faith, without faith, you can't please God. And then it illustrates two components of faith, believing that he exists and seeking him. You want to please God? Get convinced that he's really God. Like, not trapped in the historicity of the scriptures, but like God alive right now. Like, literally, the Son of God in a resurrected, glorified body, sitting on a throne at the highest pinnacle of heaven, surrounded by the angelic uh, uh, realm, worshiping him. Like Jesus is right now on the throne in the same body that he ascended off the mountaintop with, the same body that he's going to physically descend back to this planet. Like he's really there and he's really praying for you and he really loves you and he's really working on your behalf and he's really inviting you to participate with him in this thing called life. He's actually real. He's not a theological construct. He's like a real being, a person, a king, God. And, and, and he's saying, I want you to trust me because I'm not up there somewhere. 
you know, preoccupied with expanding the universe at an ever-accelerating rate. Oh, I got my people down here, but I got this going on. Like, he's right there with us. And he's saying to you, I'll do 2023 with you every day if you want. But you have to believe that I am who I say I am. So again, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in the revelation of God. By the way, just real quickly here, you, you can't actually know him if you don't know his word. You can know a little bit about him. You can know enough to get saved. But you can't enjoy God if you're biblically ignorant. Because otherwise you'll end up not by faith, but by fiction. You'll create, you'll do the reverse of what God did in the garden. In the garden, God made man in his own image, and man has been returning the favor ever since. Making God in our own image. And he's just like, why don't you let me tell you who I am And then you won't struggle as much with having faith in me. But then he says this. He says he's a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. Like, do you believe that? You know, you're in the room tonight on some level because you're seeking him. You're going to get in the water tonight, some of you, because you seek him. You're pressing in in prayer. Some of you give sacrificially because you're seeking his righteousness and his kingdom first. Like, I don't want you to discount the fact that God looks down in our weak, sometimes pitiful, sometimes unimpressive little baby steps when we feel like we should be, you know, sprinters or marathon Christians by now. And, and sometimes, that you know, the accuser just hovers over your head what you should be by this point. I think if we can strip all of that away, sometimes God says, through all of her trial, through all of her suffering, through all of her pain, through that abandonment, through that loss, through that miscarriage, through that divorce, through that, that, that uh, spiritual wound from a spiritual leader, look at her. She's still pressing in. She's still praying. She thinks it's weak, but it brings me pleasure to see. That she believes I am who I say that I am. We've got all the garbage going around in the culture. We've got disappointments in the churches. Sadly, we're... If I haven't offended you yet, give me a minute more. We're just a thumb-sucking, bed-wetting snowflake generation, and it's hit the church full throttle. Guys, I want to tell you something. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily think everybody will respond to this, but some of you will. There's an anointing to get over yourself and to reevaluate and recommit and make it all about Jesus on 1123. And you get to decide. And you'll be tested on it. Because there's going to be some sad news in the culture and some scary news overseas and some political thing that you'll get upset with. And one of your Christian friends is going to post something on Facebook about a controversial issue. And you're going to get your feelings hurt and your panties in a bunch. And you're going to get all, you know, tied up in knots and spiritually constipated over it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I am trying to be kind of funny, but, but I, I'm so, I'm, I'm like... Can, can we get Jesus in the room? Can we just get Jesus in the room when we're fighting with other Christians? When we're face-hooking? Mighty man of valor. Face-hook. 
Hit enter. Look at that. You need an anointing to get over yourself. That's not special what you just did. It's not special. I want to be one and you want to be one that pleases the Lord. And you don't have enough time patrolling the lanes and the streets of somebody else's life to make sure their Christianity measures up yours. You don't have enough time. Like, you're straight up on the clock. And I I promise you this. I'm I'm a guy that doesn't mind a good debate. And uh, there was a time early on in my social media days where um, I felt like my opinion needed to be spouted. And um, I won a lot of arguments and lost a lot of friends. And I never, looking back, I never once heard Jesus say, amen. Jeff, you put that one I died for right in her place. Awesome. Who am I preaching to? Y'all are like, well, they're not here tonight, but I wish they could hear it. (laughs) You want to please him, and you can. But it will require faith for you to lay everything down. He'll give you back. Like, I'm just a firm believer. Lay everything down as often as you can. I forget who did that song. It was just a simple. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Over and over again. I'll put that thing on repeat. I just hear it over and over again because we, it's just not in our nature to lay it down, to let somebody else win, to walk away. Any fool with a book of matches can start a fire. Any fool with an untamed tongue can start a worse fire. And guys, that's not what we need to be. I'm going to read you this last passage. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to read you this last passage from Hebrews 11. And listen, I'm not trying to wow you with a sermon tonight. I'm trying to plant some seed in some of you that'll make you wake up and just say, man, my time is short and I'm built for better. Like the investment of Jesus Christ in me calls me to a high level of, of, of like self-awareness and a proper expression of who Jesus is in me to others. Like, you've got to be aware of that. And so in Hebrews 11, 32 through 40, because I'm going to show you what faith looks like, and then I'm going to call some of you in this just like jumbled up time to come forward tonight and ask God to give you an impartation of faith. Because we're going to need it. What more shall I say, Hebrews eleven thirty two? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice. By the way, We need justice in our land, and protests are never going to bring it. But a church on fire for Jesus that takes ownership 
of representing, God says his throne is established in righteousness and justice. And we're down here protesting. We're like, some folks put the demon in demonstrator. And it's getting nowhere. But by faith, they enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Don't miss that in those verses, all of that expression and demonstration of faith comes in the context of great conflict and trouble. Faith won't manifest when everything's easy. It hibernates. Matter of fact, you personally don't need actual faith when you're in control of everything in your life and you're working it to your own good. You don't need faith. And so then in verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Let your Bible say what it says. Some were tortured. Stop telling me that God doesn't allow things like that to happen. Believers, stop that. Nobody wants to sign up for it, but honor the Lord and what he reveals in Scripture. The godly, righteous people sometimes are on the front lines of some of the worst treatment. And God doesn't apologize for it. Because it is in those situations that the glory of Jesus, the greater glory comes out of us when we're in the fire, when we're in the battle, when we are in the war, when we are unjustly treated. That is where glory manifests. Guys, I love love my brothers and sisters of Christ, but I'm nauseated over the seeming need to protect God's reputation by saying God doesn't ever allow anything bad to happen. He did not even spare his own son from the wickedness that happens on planet Earth. We all want resurrection, but nobody wants crucifixion. Others suffered mocking, flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. I'm sorry to those of you that have signed off perpetually on a high level of prosperity gospel that says that that destitute, afflicted, mistreated, sheepskins, goatskins. The Bible says in verse 38, the world's not worthy of these kind of people. They were wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth and all these though commended through their faith, watch this, did not receive what was promised. The implication is in their lifetime. And the explanation is verse 40. Why? Because God has provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So here's the thing, and I'm done. Faith says, I'm not entitled to my full reward right now but I am called to my full sacrifice right now. And if we negotiate the call to sacrifice by the presumption of the, call, of the, of the reward immediately and fully, it's not faith. Why? Because there's a bunch of people that w- went before us and they didn't get their full. Why? 
Because God wasn't going to give the fullness to anybody until he could give it to everybody. And so we're all in a line. The great cloud of witnesses is going to include you one day. And when the Lord is done with the gospel of grace and the redemption through the cross of Jesus Christ, and the last sinner is saved, and the end of the age comes, the full measure of glory will be given to every single one of us, from Abraham to the last one. We will all get the fullness of what is promised, and nobody's going to get it and say, yeah, but I got ripped off while I was on earth. Will you persevere? Will you pay the price? Will you trust? Will you lay it all down? Like, I'm not telling you to shout out an answer. I'm just telling you those are the questions that we're answering every day with our lives. And there's no way to do it in the flesh. I'm going to do two things. If you're in letter A, I, I want you to just come up front. Just letter A real quick. Just come right here. Is this okay? You're right, PT. Like, I'm not doing polish tonight, man. I'm just... Just come down front. Bring your stuff with you if you want to. When you go into the water tonight, and this is for everybody getting baptized, he's so pleased Because by the fact that you're saying, I'm going in tonight for the first time or the third or the fifth, you're diligently seeking him again. You're saying, I'm not quitting. I'm not turning around. I'm not coming into agreement with every element of doubt that might be bombarding my mind. By faith, Abraham did what? Obeyed. You're just saying, Lord, here I am. But your faith needs to be in him before your faith rises to something from him. Like, I don't want to point you to the waters for a physical healing before I point you to Jesus for eternal life and him owning every bit of you. Like, like if you have anything within you right now, I, I think this can help you, that you're negotiating with him. But this is the last time. If it doesn't, no, 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 no. This is the present time. You're pressing in for him tonight because he's a healer. Like he heals. He delivers. He frees. But your faith is not in being baptized. Your faith is in the one who chose to ignite the water with fire five years ago. And when some people get in that thing, sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's progressive. We are not there to negotiate. We are there to humble ourselves and die well. So when you go in tonight, you're thanking him before you ever go in. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to meet me in some way in the water. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to have a moment of fellowship with you right here, right now. And you keep him central. And then don't you hesitate for a second to believe that he's going to do something for you. Just don't put the for me in front of the in him. Understood? So, I bless each of you for an encounter 
with the Lord Jesus Christ in the water tonight. A personal one that He has ordained for you. I bless you to feel anything that He wants you to feel. To experience any manifestation that He has for you. And I bless you that if you feel nothing, you'll still rejoice that you are doing it in Him tonight. Let your spirit tell your feelings what to do. Don't let your feelings tell your spirit what to do. I'm going to invite you guys to come on up right now. And then I want to do just an invitation. If you need to get your stuff, go get your stuff. It's Colin back there or somebody. Aaron's back there. They'll help you. Then I'm going to ask the rest of you to just stand to your feet. I didn't give a polished sermon. I'm not giving a polished invitation. I'm just asking who wants more faith. Who wants the deposit of faith? Who needs to lay it down? Look, if you walked into the room and you've been wrestling for days, weeks, or months over laying something down, like, don't overcomplicate it. Just lay it down. Let God do what He wants to do with it, but your job's to lay it down. It's just a surrender. The Lord always, in His way, will honor a surrender. He may or may not give you back whatever you lay down. He may give it back to you with extra. Or he may give you something entirely different. But it takes faith to lay it down. Some of you. Laughing or weeping. So what's interesting is God spotlighted you two in the parking lot to me and my wife. And I'm just going to say what I felt like I was getting, and it's up to you to just put it before the Lord. I saw two things. One, I saw a mantle being offered to you. And I saw also that there was a wounding on you that has kept y'all in a place that is less than what the Lord wants. And the only reason he spotlights something like this is because he wants you to know you don't have to stay in that place anymore. The second thing I saw was I saw a car seat, a child's car seat. And it's so funny, my son's over here. He's the biggest Lyle in the family. But I remember when I would unbuckle him from that car seat when he was a toddler, the expression of relief and freedom. And I saw you guys being unbuckled and released. And I felt like the Lord was saying there's been somewhat of a confinement and that the Lord was releasing you. So I encourage you, pray into that. Is that registering at all? Okay. Would you extend your hands to this couple? I don't know them. Brother, in the name of Jesus, whatever disappointment, wound, or conflict raised up the wall, I bless you with the faith that if you'll step out from behind it, he's going to meet you there. And on the other side of that act of faith, that there's something beautiful for you, but there's also, is, is she your wife? Is this your wife? There, there is something on her and for her that requires both of you together. And it's something beautiful. Have y'all come here before? Y'all been here before? Yeah. So we bless you in the name of Jesus just to process that with the Lord. Faith. Just faith. Just faith. If you need a measure of faith, a gift of faith, an increase of faith, just come forward. And don't come if you don't feel it and you're not... You don't believe that's you, but if that's you, just come forward.
I would even say it this way. If you want to believe him more and you know it and you're just like, man, I know it, I know it, I know it. Move in tight and try to leave the aisles free so other people can come. If you know what you need to lay down, I, you don't need to hear my, my words. Lay it down and thank him that he's so wise, he knows exactly what to do with it. Like worship him as you lay it down. Just worship him as you lay it down. If your hunger is exceeding your opportunity, I'm feeling that. Some of you have such a deep hunger and a deep yearning for God to put something in your hands. If he continues to increase your hunger, it's because the thing that he's about to offer you is too big for you right now and he's bringing you up to a measure of desire for it. He's causing you to squirm and it's actually a grace. Faith is a, is a Christian word. It's a Bible word. And if you're having a hard time connect with it, just use this word that makes more sense. Trust. Trust. He's worthy of your trust. He is going to reroute some of you. He'll make it clear in the sense of You'll know it in your spirit. You may not know the details of what it is, but he'll make it clear in the sense that you'll know. Abraham didn't wonder if God was speaking to him. He just didn't have all the details yet, but he still moved in faith. Some of you come here on Sunday nights, but you're in a dead church on Sunday mornings. And I don't mean that to be offensive. The Father's calling some of you to unite with this house. I can tell you this. If, if I wasn't a pastor in another city and I was just a Christian in the marketplace, this is my home church. This is where I would be. I don't have any doubt about it. And some of you, God's calling you to step away from churches you've been at for a long time and it's scary. Trust him. Trust him. Father, you see every heart, you see the bodies, you see the minds, you see the spirit, you see the soul, you see the struggle. Father, I'm asking you to dispatch some from the angelic realm right now that will go to war with demons that are causing confusion and doubt and fear. Father, we declare in accordance with your word that you are not the author of the spirit of fear, so the spirit of fear has to go in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the Son of God right now. Spirits of fear, confusion, and doubt. The chattering fallen angels sowing doubt. You have to go right now. Father, let courage come. Courage. Courage. A baptism of courage. Let there be a baptism of courage. Hey, you're hearing him right. You're hearing him right.
all of y'all are feeling this, and I'm going to I'm, I'm invite the apostle to come up here. Um, you were, were born, you are born the second time for that radical thing you feel in you. That tug is not presumption. The Lord is tugging on you, strongly tugging on you. He's prying you out of the lukewarm swamp of 21st century Americanized Christendom. And he's saying, don't let anybody make you feel less than because you hear me strongly on this. Go ahead and tell them right where you're kneeling. I'm willing to be the weirdo. I'm dead serious about that. You weren't made to be domesticated. You imagine the lion of the tribe of Judah living in you and then you being domesticated? let there be an increase of apostolic faith on Apostle Todd Smith. We trust the work you're doing in him. Protect him from the little foxes. Keep that vineyard that you've got for him, Lord, free of debris and clutter. Raise up men and women intercede for him that protect the sanctity of his need to hear from you as Pastor Karen leads our school I pray for a new filling of the Holy Spirit and every accusing demon tries to undermine the authority and the power that you've given to that woman of God we bind in the name of Jesus and we pray right now Lord cast those demons into the pit before their time and let her anointing be fresh I pray for the elders of this house I ask you God that the spirit of wisdom and revelation be upon them I pray that this women's conference Lord will be 1,200 alabaster boxes broken open and the fragrance filling the region. Pray for those women that will speak and lead in that conference. Holy Spirit, we belong to you. And we know right now that we need you. So Father, in whatever way that I can, just by an accordance and agreement with your word, the charisma of the gift of faith, let it fall and let it find good ground. I'm gonna let the worship team sing. I just feel like I'm gonna come down here and just lay hands. Sit where you are, nothing super spiritual. If you're on the worship, uh, if you're on the prayer team here, you want to minister? Please come.
This is your prayer. 